MSW Media. And now it's time for Drinking with Yoda. Hey, Yoda. Will you pass me that screwball peanut butter flavored whiskey? I'd like to try it. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try. Okay, fine. Can you pass me the bottle? I'd like to do a shot of it. You are reckless. I am not reckless. I'm just looking for a little adventure. A little excitement. Hmm. Adventure. <laughs> excitement. <laughs> Jedi craves not these things. Jedi? What are you talking about, man? I'm just a guy who hosts a booze podcast. Now come on, pass me that bottle. The boy has no patience. You will learn patience. Who the hell are you talking to? Much anger in him. Like his father. Look, Yoda, this is getting way too heavy. All I'm asking for is that you pass me that bottle of screwball peanut butter flavored whiskey so I can pour some in a glass and try some. I, excuse me, I mean, do some. Will he finish what he begins? Of course I'll finish it. I mean, yeah, peanut butter whiskey sounds pretty awful, but hell, I'll try anything once. I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. Sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Coming up in just a bit, I'm going to be talking to Piers, Adam, and Gordon Smart. They are the co-founders of Copper Dog Whiskey. It's a great scotch, and and this brand goes above and beyond to help dogs in shelters all over the world find forever homes, and they put their money where their mouth is. They're not just doing stuff for show. They're actually donating real money. Anybody doing good work like that, I'm happy to talk to on this here program happy tuesday everyone or whatever day of the week it is that you're listening to this it's actually monday for me as i'm recording i went to uh ojai this past weekend oh is about 90 minutes north of la up in ventura county it's a tony little enclave very artsy and farmers markets and lots of crass shops and beautiful outdoor recreation spots Celebs go up there to chill out. Jamie Dornan, I think, was just up there recently. Anne Hathaway. Britney Spears has a home up there, I believe. I went up to play in a golf tournament at a Shishi resort called the Ojai Valley Inn. I'll get to that in a, in a moment, all right? I, mean, I got some thoughts in case you're thinking about going to visit Ojai. So... I'm up there for this tournament, like I said, and the night before the tournament, we had a little dinner at a spot called The Duchess. It's from a team behind one of my favorite local restaurants around here, Rustic Canyon in Santa Monica. The menu is described as Burmese, California, 
The chef saw Nang. Nang, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Sorry if I'm not. He is from Burma. He uh, really amazing stuff. I had. I'm not. I haven't had a lot of Burmese food in my life, but I'll tell you what: the lamb biryani, chickpea tofu naan, crispy rice salad. Oh, mm. oh, behave! I love it. I'm a. I'm a a fan now. Burmese cuisine is now something I'm officially going to seek out. And the bar manager, Brittany Nyang, again, hope I'm not butchering him. She's married to the chef. Uh, good, good bar menu there. Lots of classics. And they got like seasonal cocktails. She weaves in a lot of South Asian ingredients to, to sort of align with the, the Burmese food menu. And I got to tell you, I was impressed. Pretty much everything they do is in house up there for the cocktail. They're making the vermouth, the bitters, rajat, tinctures, syrups, their fresh squeezed juices, all doing it there. All sourced from local central coast farms, all organic, a lot of the spirits in the place are smaller batch stuff. We've featured a lot of those on, on the show here. So I'm digging it. And the wine list, a guy named Bob Huey, part of that. Uh, the wine director, Emily Johnston, up there. Grapes farmed in an ecologically responsible way. That's the focus. And a lot of small production wines from the Central Coast. And, of course, some from around the world. So uh, the Duchess. Uh, give that i give it two thumbs up if you're going to be in ojai go there it's a popular spot you're going to need to make a reservation just telling you that all right speaking of popular spots this golf tournament aforementioned was played at the ojai valley inn very fancy very fancy condonest traveler described it this is how they said it just time seems to slow down as you pull up to this sprawling Spanish revival hotel. Birds chirp from atop the towering oak trees, and the peacefully running fountains set the tone for a serenity that'll carry you through your weekend. They named, back in 2015, they named it one of their top 100 hotels in the world. In the world! Virtuoso.com says this iconic five-diamond Ojai Valley Inn is a historic retreat known for its luxurious tranquility, set amid 220 oak-studded acres. Oak-studded acres sounds good, doesn't it? Studded. Not just oaks, they're studded. This resort offers an abundance of freshly renewed settings, activities, and amenities for inspired escapes, including the award-winning spa, blah, 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 the golf course, George C. Thomas Design Golf Course. There's an apiary immersive beekeeping program. Pools all over. There's so many pools up there. Five dining concepts and eh, a lot. Sounds pretty goddamn fancy, right? Right? Well, all I can tell you is, I don't know if it's COVID contributed to this or what, but the place is staffed with people who, uh, let's just say, didn't seem all that interested in going the extra mile. Or more to the point, giving a shit at all. Okay, I get this. Upstown, this is an uptown problem I'm talking about. I'm up there playing in a golf tournament in Ojai, the Ojai Valley. I get it. It's not. But I did, you know, look, listen. I grew up poor. I worked my ass off. And when I'm going to go and I spend my hard-earned money, don't charge me a ton of money if you're not going to staff the place with people that know what they're doing. I can't begin to tell you how many people I asked simple questions to up there that worked there had no idea 
the golf course was very confusing. It was laid out in a very confusing way. They had us start on the back nine. Case in point, one point we finish up on on uh, eighteen, then we're going to go to hole number one because, like I said, we start. So we can't find it. It's not. There's no signage. Not only was I asking people that worked there where hole number one was, and they just say, "I don't know. I don't know. I don't know." How do you work in a place? You would think at some point they passed it, possibly given the golf course is sort of the centerpiece of the resort. Maybe they they came in contact with hole number one some at some point during the course of working there, but no, not only were they, a lot of people saying they don't know one woman I asked, I said, Hey, do you know where hole number one is? She says, yeah, it's right back there. She sent us in the complete opposite direction of where hole number one was. What the hell's going on out here? We're driving around like idiots asking, but nobody could tell you anything in this place. And even before we played golf, my buddy and I who I was playing with, we, we went into this bar there to watch football catch a little bit of my beloved Philadelphia Eagles before we got off and tee. We weren't teeing off till like 1230. Eagles game was on at 10. So we go in this pub they have there and we're the only customers in the pub, the only ones. They got the TVs on, they got direct TV, but they don't have the Eagles game on. So we asked for the Eagles game. The guy didn't really know how to do it. So we had to call his manager to figure out how to change the channel. All right. Okay, I'll give you a pass on that. Changing the channel can be difficult. Direct TV, I don't have it. Maybe it's more complicated than, uh, than you know, you would think it would be. So anyway, he figures it out and he changes the channel. Now, one TV has the volume, the other one doesn't. He puts the Eagles game on the one without the volume. And then I say, hey, you know, can we get it with the volume? And he says, well, we got the volume on for this game, which happened to be the Redskins and Cowboys. And what the fuck? I hate both those teams. Excuse me, not Redskins. Commanders. Sorry, Commanders. Washington Commanders. Redskins, not politically correct anymore. They're done. Commanders, Cowboys. Well, can we switch it so that it could be the Eagles volume? Because again, there's only two people in the bar, me and my buddy, and we're Eagles fans. You would think... You'd read the room a little bit and say, all right, let's put the let's put the volume on for the game that our only customers, the only people spending money in this place want to hear. And he did eventually. All right. He got it. He got it together. I think we were halfway through the first quarter before we all got this worked out. So here's what I'm saying. The Duchess, if you're going to Ojai, you didn't realize you're getting a, a primer on uh, on visiting Ojai. If you're going to Ojai, the Duchess, great spot dinner loved it went to a bar called the hub afterwards they had karaoke while i was singing i got up did a little roadhouse blues by the doors yeah i rocked it and uh that place was cool to drink good good ohio valley inn not so much very nice very nice might even say pretentious i mean the rooms are like 1500 dollars a night minimum to stay there we didn't stay there we stayed at some dingy motel like 10 miles outside of town but uh you know I just, it's, it's, if you're paying that kind of money, what, what, what's the staff doing? How do you not know where the hole number one is? And you work there. What the hell's going on out here? It's like me going, uh, doing an interview with somebody. You go, oh, I can't do it because I don't know where the record button is. I just, I've only been doing this for three years. I don't know where it is. Sorry. Can't do the interview. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> invite you to follow me at the imbiber on instagram and twitter podcast is at wwd underscore podcast on instagram but mainly the imbibers where all the happening stuff is is going on uh if you happen to be in la this friday october 7th i am hosting the whiskey x here i'm emceeing the whiskey x here in los angeles california i would love to see you 
If you're if you are in the area and you can make it, it's Friday night, October seventh. Go to thewhiskeyx.com for tickets. And if you get them and you go, please come up and say hi. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to say hi to you. All right? That's this Friday. Whiskey X. Also got Whiskey X Vegas coming up at the end of October at the Cosmopolitan. I'll be emceeing that as well. And that's going to be a blast. A couple of days. I think it's the 28th and 29th of October. Also tickets on the site. Now, as mentioned, I got Piers Adam and Gordon Smart of Copper Dog coming up. But first, a couple other guests. That's right. Surprise, two extra guests today, because I love providing you, listener, with as much booze-centric entertainment information as possible on every episode. Yeah, I'm just that kind of guy. You're welcome. On October 25th of this fine year, 2022, Abrams Publishing is going to release a book called Cure, New Orleans drinks and how to mix them from the award-winning bar, about which my my old friend Wayne Curtis, who's a fabulous uh, chronicler of adult beverages, Wayne had this to say about the book. New York is known for its skyscrapers, San Francisco for its fairy tale fogs, and New Orleans, it's famous for its drinks. Thanks to Bodenheimer and Timberlake, we now have a definitive guidebook to the city's towering landmarks, both vintage and new. If you can't make it to New Orleans, buy this book. It's the next best thing. And Wayne, I couldn't agree more. And joining me right now to talk about the new book that's coming out is Neil Bodenheimer, Emily Timberlake, the authors. Hi. Hello. Hi there. How's it going, Dan? It's good to see you, Neil always great to see you and emily we're just meeting now so uh and i'm assuming that this is going to be just a fantastic experience for both of us agreed i can't wait to for everyone to witness the forging of our beautiful friendship yes it's all happening right now uh okay so the first thing is a lot of cocktail books out there but new orleans what makes it different why why if i got a library why do i need to have this book on my shelf do you want to hear it from me or want to hear it from Emily? I want to hear it. Do you want to hear it in tandem? Whatever, however you want to handle this. <laughs> yeah, go uh, for it. Okay. So, you know, here's my, here's my quick pitch. Um, New Orleans may not, in fact, be the, uh, be the birthplace of the cocktail, but I believe it's a spiritual home of the cocktail. And so given our deep and rich history in the history of the city, not only do you want to learn about this hotbed of drinking, but it's also has some of really some of the finest cocktails that exist in the world of cocktails. And, um, and we feel very fortunate to be able to present that to the, to the world with this book and some of the cocktails that were done behind the bar at Cure for the past 13 and a half years. And, and by the way, let's back it up. So Cure, tell people about Cure and obviously your relationship to the bar, Neil. Well, so, um, so I opened Cure, uh, with with two partners um, almost 14 years ago. And uh, it was supposed to be a tiny little neighborhood bar that's kind of uh, outgrown that. Uh, and so what became a passion project where we just wanted to make great cocktails in the city of New Orleans uh, has become a pretty highly decorated little bar. And so that's the the abridged version of Cure. And now how does how do you get involved, Emily, with this? Have you known Neil for a while or Yes. So Neil is um, humble to a fault. uh, So allow me to jump in and just like sing his praises in a non-awkward way. Um, I was a cocktail book editor for about a decade 
I worked on cocktail books from, you know, luminaries of the bar world, the Death & Co. guys, uh, Jim Meehan, Thad Vogler. Um, I always had my eye on Neil, just as... Who who has? <laughs> Indeed. I mean, every time I'm down in New Orleans, I don't wow. know if you can feel the burning on your back when I'm staring at you, Neil. And that guy, I want to be like that guy. If, if my wife's listening, she understands that that is 100% not true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Emily, I get what you're saying. Neil is a star in this... In this in the world of, of cocktails, for sure. Pure is one of a handful of bars in this country and indeed the world that like people make treks from Berlin, from, you know, from Singapore. People travel the world to go to Cure. It is one of the most influential craft cocktail bars in the country. And for some reason, Neil just never got around to writing a book and putting Cure's cocktails down on paper. So um I harassed him for a few years until he finally caved and agreed to write this book, which I, I think we can say was literally years in the making. You know, it's so funny, Dan, how like stories differ. In my <laughs> recollection, I, I begged Emily to help to help write this book. So it's funny. It's funny how different perspective uh, changes, <laughs> changes the story. Well, I, I, I got a, a, early copy and I was looking through and, and it, first of all, beautiful looking book. The cover looks great. Uh, just very well put together, which I think is important. You know, like I've gotten some cocktail books where I'm like, I didn't put a lot of effort into this. It's very clear. You put a lot of effort in this. Now, let me ask you someone who's never been to new Orleans, Neil, if you're, if someone walks in to cure and you say, I want this person to have the ultimate New Orleans cocktail experience. I'm going to put three cocktails in front of them. We're going to make them so that they leave with an appreciation of what the New Orleans cocktail culture is all about. So it depends on uh, whether my shoulder's in good shape or not. But I would tell you that it's, uh, I mean, number one, it's got to be a Sazerac. Um, To me, it is like, it's, it's almost like putting a Sazerac together is like the New Orleans like tea ceremony. It's like, it's got to be put together all in the right way for it to really shine. And then number two, the New Orleans fizz, AKA the Ramos gin fizz. Uh, that's why I mentioned my shoulder. Uh, well, you got to get that. You got to get that egg white shaken out. You got to get that yeah. to the proper. Yeah. Is there, is there, is it possible to froth too much? Is it possible to shake that drink too much? Uh, I mean, look, I, I think if you, I mean, if you were to ask Henry Ramos, uh, which we can't, thank God, uh, uh, then he would. <laughs> Aren't there mediums down there in, uh, in yeah. New Orleans that can handle yeah, this? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure we could. I'm sure we could have a medium uh, make make up the story for us. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, yes, I mean, I, I, a short answer. I on a personal level, I do believe that you can. Like at some point, you want to. It's still a drink, you know. It's not a marshmallow. So you want it to be to be integrated enough that it's not like this like you don't want to drink the drink and have like a little like collar of foam that slides down the whole thing. I do think you want it a little more integrated than that. Okay. Um and then, you know, the third drink is the tough one um in the New Orleans canon. I would probably argue uh that I, I love the old hickory. I just think it's like such a wonderful drink. It's very simple. And I mean, I think that's what I love about New Orleans drinks is that they are in a way very straightforward. Um, what about a uh, howitzer, baby? Well, I mean, but the howitzer. A, I mean, pure, a pure original? Yeah, okay. Pure original. And the, and the howitzer. What's in the howitzer? Is, 
So the, the howitzer is a bourbon and peach bitter um, French 75. And so, and, and, and that gets into the, 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 damn the conversation. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a great drink, but it gets into this really cool conversation about French 75s. Um, well, let me ask you, let me ask you that right now. It, does it matter? Is there a very specific bubbly that you you're going to use or can you, you got a lot of sort of a wide berth with that? I mean, I think it depends. I mean, I would say that, you know, if you, if you really want it, like, like for some drinks, you want a bubbly that kind of gets out of the way. And then for some drinks you want, you know, you want that like yeasty, wonderful, you know, champagne, champagne taste. Um, I think that when you're, I mean, I also think it depends on who you talk to. And you talk to Chris Hanna and the, and the Arno's team, they would tell you that, you know, they really want to see champagne, champagne in it. And when Neil says Arno's, Arno's a, a classic giant place. How many rooms are there? I, there's a lot of them, right? Am I a lot? Yeah, there's a lot of rooms down there. A legendary New Orleans spot that's been around for a long time, right? And, yeah, and we have a great interview with Katie Kasbarian, uh, who's one of the owners uh, in the book that I just think is is one of the best vignettes that we have. Well, okay. this is all sidestepping the fundamental French seventy five question, which is what should the base spirit be um for people who aren't from new orleans they might not know that um wars have been waged uh, over whether a french 75 should be made with gin as the base spirit or cognac um we do not have enough time to go into that conversation here but read the book there's like a fascinating kind of explanation story about that well it, it is interesting mm-hmm. that you know one of the things that I love about doing this show is almost universally, when you talk about the provenance of a drink, there are, without fail, as you know, uh, at least three or four plausible origin stories for almost every drink. You know, it's like, all right, no, no, it happened here. The margarita was invented in Texas. No, it wasn't. It was in Mexico. And I think that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And, and people can dive in and do that. And and again, New Orleans is just such a magical place when it comes to Going out, you know, um, one of the things that Neil is also not talked about is that you've heard me talk about a lot on the show is Tales of the Cocktail, which is the biggest cocktail festival, certainly in America. And a couple of years ago, it ran into some trouble. This is pre-COVID, actually. It wasn't the COVID trouble, which was a separate trouble, but it was looking like it might not stick around, Tales. And I think that was very upsetting to a lot of people in the in the cocktail world, myself included. And Neil and a team of people came in and basically took it over and rescued it. I have that right? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's the Cliff Notes version for sure. Um, and it's it's been, um, you know, it's been, it's been a hell of a ride. I mean, how many take people an came to Cures, this, uh, excuse me, to Tales this year? Do you... Uh, about fifteen thousand. Woo! Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. was. It was. It's so crowded. I didn't even see you. I was down there for four or five days. I didn't even see you. Which uh, now I, you know, Neil, I got to, I got to beef with you a little bit. I do have to beef with you. Oh, you know, boy. you know, this okay. is coming. So when uh, I have had, and you've probably heard me, regular listeners on the show know that I like to complain and whine about shit because I'm a fucking baby. I really am. I'm just <laughs> gonna say that. So I've been writing about. I've been covering spirits. Longer than most people ever. Even, no mm-hmm. offense to you, Emily, but I know I was doing this before you. I was in tour in Italy in 1999 with Dale DeGroff, Terry Sullivan, Gary Regan, Marty Re- Half of them are dead. They're all gone. I mean, Terry and obviously Dale are still around, thankfully. I've never won the Spirited Awards. I've never won. I think I've been nominated for a writing award. I've never won. 
And my podcast, this very one you were on, so when Gia, the publicist, pitched me, I go, why would he want to be on my show? It's, it's never been nominated. All right, your turn. <laughs> I mean, and I'm fucking, I'm fucking with you, man. Like, I'm kidding. (laughs) Although you and I I did corner Neil a couple of years ago, and I started, I think I'd had a couple of whiskeys, and I'm like, how the hell is? I'm not going to say the name. How did he get nominated? But Neil was just going, this lunatic. How do I get out of here? Somebody get me away. Well, I actually do want to comment on this. All right, let me hear it. Let me hear. If I may. All right. Um. (laughs) So. The very be careful, by the way. This I will edit this thing in such a way as to yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Yeah, it'll be edited out to be like (laughs) Dan Dunn should win every year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So basically, you know, I I, I love the saying like you can't win the game unless you walk on the field, right? And I think that there are a lot of people that think that this tiny little nonprofit has this ragtag group of people that go around and nominate people. Other people nominate each other, and the voters that are part of our committee can't vote unless you are nominated. So make sure that you nominate yourselves. Now, there are a lot of people that have PR firms, and that is the equivalent of self-nomination. So don't be shy. Put your name in the hat, and you'd be surprised what will happen. All right. So I think what Neil's referring to is because I'm a baby and I'm incredibly vindictive, especially when it comes to myself – I am, no one's bitten off their nose to spite their face more often than I have. So I decided a couple, I'm like, well, I'm not nominating myself. I don't need it. I don't need the award. I don't care. Clearly, <laughs> clearly I care. <laughs> because every time I see Neil, I'm like, what happened? All right, next year I'm going to nominate myself and I'm going to nominate this episode. I want to see what happens. I'm going to put this one up as the well, episode. May, oh dear. This one has, we have there, to recuse this, conflict yeah, this of interest. This may be conflicted out. I'm sorry. But in all seriousness, it is such a, it's such a wonderful event. And ever since you, you took over, you and the group took over, it's just been, it's phenomenal what you do down there and the spirited awards themselves i think is a is a wonderful thing and i've got so many great friends that have won those awards over the year and i know it it means a lot to them to do that but more importantly just the 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 idea that people get to all gather and i mean this is the oscars and spring break and everything of the of the booze business all brought together and i recommend anybody out there because consumers can come as well, and there's seminars, and there's and all of these drinks that you're going to see in the book, you're going to be able to actually go to the locations where they're being made, and I guarantee you, you're going to love it. But before I let you go, one drink that has to come up when you talk about New Orleans, and I, what about the hurricane? Where does that where does that fit in in the canon of so there, New Orleans so, drinks? So actually, I mean, we 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 definitely spill quite a bit of ink on that, but um, there's also a really great article that Robert Simonson just did about the hurricane. From the New York Times, Robert Simonson, yeah, there we go. But I think he did this one for Vine Pair. So oh, he's um, cheating on the New York Times. Oh, <laughs> I think Robert writes for a lot Scandal. of different outlets. Okay, so you can find this on Vine Pair, Robert Simon. Okay, go ahead. And so, and it's a discussion about why you're starting to see hurricanes on more menus today. Um, and in 2017 or 2018, my business partner at Canaan Table, Kirk Estopanol, uh, did a version of the hurricane, which is in the cure book called uh, the Hurricane at Table, where he did a lot of research on the proprietary syrup that was in the, in the, in the hurricane called Fasanola. And you're, you're starting to see people say, well, we understand that the place that invented this is still operating, but they're using a powdered mix. Like, Are we talking about Pat, we're we talking about Pat O'Brien's? Pat O'Brien's, correct. 
And so what happens if we do what, you know, what we do with all cocktails and we go back and we, and we try and put them together in a quality way, where would we get? And actually the drinks a revelation. And so I, uh, I, I think it's really cool history. And, but I also think it's a, it's a cocktail that probably best days are probably ahead of it. Well, it's a cocktail that like so many of that era of kind of mid-century America was killed by convenience. And it started as something that was made with, you know, fresh ingredients, delicious. Think, think the same thing happened to many tiki cocktails. Um, And then somewhere along the way, they were like, wow, we need to make thousands of these. How can we? It's an interesting question. And maybe Emily or Neil knows the answer to this. I've been told that, Pat O'Brien's is the most profitable bar in America. Is that true? No. It's open 24 uh, seven. And I mean, they're selling those hurricanes for what? $16 a pop. It probably costs them about a dollar. Maybe. I would say that there is profitability before 2020 and there's profitability after 2020. Good point. And yeah. so I, I couldn't comment on now, but I suspect it was a pretty profitable bar pre pandemic. And it's also worth visiting, like dueling pianos. Yeah, Who doesn't it, love that? That courtyard yeah, is fabulous. The piano bar is incredible. <laughs> the flaming fountain. Like, yeah. I mean, like I, I, it's have a lot of misspent nights of my youth at Orion's, and <laughs> probably not you know, just not just even have, just your youth. Even like a week ago, he was saying stuff like that. No, I'm kidding. I mean, look, Dan, no one's <laughs> counting. Okay. Well, here's I will say this again, I, and I, I just cannot stress this enough: is it's probably the best drinking town in these United States. I mean, I would, you know, New York would give it a run for its money, I think. But, but in terms of just, you know, one of the things that always happens to me when I get down there, and I think it probably happens to everybody that visits is it takes a couple of minutes to register is you'll be in a bar and you'll say, you're talking about where you're going to go next. And everybody says, all right, well, let's finish these up and we'll go. And then it hits you and you go, or we could just take it with us. What a wonderful town. You just pour it into a plastic cup and walk out into the street under the bright yellow sun and rejoice in the fact that we can be treated like adults who are capable of walking down the street with our Hurricane or our Sazerac or whatever it is we're drinking down there. And how many drinks total are in the book that people, how many recipes? Emily, that's a good question. What more, than a, more, more than 100. Um, so kind of the, the canonical New Orleans drinks that every self-respecting drinker should know. You know, you've got to know how to make a Sazerac. You've got to know how to make a Vucare. Um, and so all of those are in the book. And then um, these Cure originals. Um, and Neil is a, a generous man and um, revealed all the secrets. So, you know, we were talking earlier about that gin fizz and how long should you shake it? How do you make the perfect one? The book tells you, and I have never worked behind the stick. I've never been a professional bartender, but I followed Neil's instructions to the letter and I made a damn fine Ramos gin fizz at home. I mean, yes, I have a bad shoulder and I'm in constant agony, but you know, that <laughs> pain notwithstanding. But- the but you're a quick delicious. study too. <laughs> exactly. You're a quick study too. So yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I'm excited for you guys. And Neil, I know this is your first, uh, Emily, not your first book, but uh, Cure New Orleans uh, Drinks and How to Mix Them from the award-winning bar is already number one new release. Not even out yet, but just on the pre-sales on Amazon. But you can go on there now, order it, it you'll, and it comes out October 25th in hardcover 
it's a great looking book and it's as Emily said get that thing for you and you'll be you're like you're your own little Neil Bonheimer at home you'll just be <laughs> impressing the hell out of your friends with all all the new yeah. drinks you God the... help you if you turn into a small little Neil Bonheimer <laughs> <laughs> Emily and Neil really great to see you and I wish you the best of luck with the book Thank I don't you. think you're going to need it I Thank think this you, thing's going to kill it but uh, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me The dictionary defines fresh as recently made or obtained, not canned, frozen, or otherwise preserved. That same dictionary defines victor as one that defeats an enemy or opponent. This is fitting because when you combine the words fresh and victor, you get a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that kicks all the other mixers' asses. Fresh victor is like the Liam Neeson of mixers. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Well, if great taste could kill, then damn right, Liam Neeson. Fresh Victor features eight unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. Right now, Fresh Victor is offering a deal to my listeners that should be taken immediately simply go to freshvictor.com fill up your shopping cart and at checkout enter promo code wwd20 to get 20 percent off your order now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market and that's fresh victor anything you'd like to add liam neeson i told you i would find you god he's so badass joining me now the co-founders of Copper Dog. It's a whiskey founded in 2016 in the Speyside region of Scotland. It has become near and dear to me, not only because the scotch is really friggin' delicious, but because the brand is committing, committed to doing good by our four-legged friends. And as regular listeners know, not only do I have a dog that I adopted 10 years ago, that dog is named after scotch. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, uh, Copper Dog has partnered with over 25 charities across the U.S., provides support to local animal shelters, so that every last underdog, I like that, underdog, finds a loving home. And in the past year and a half alone, the brand has donated more than $500,000. That's right. To support local rescue initiatives, raise awareness about these local shelters and their missions. And I am thrilled. To welcome to the show, Piers Adam and Gordon Smart. Gentlemen, nice to meet you. Great to meet you, Dan. Thank you so much for having us. It's a real pleasure. And uh, to follow in such illustrious footsteps as some of your previous guests, it means the world to us, man. So thanks so much for having us. And you might hear the noise, the unmistakable noise of scotch being poured into a glass here. <laughs> well, for, uh, from corporate governance points of view, we'd just like to point out it is after 5 p.m. and we're both over 25. That's right. Well, I'm I'm on the uh, West Coast and I actually have some things to do, but I was drinking the whiskey, uh, really enjoying it the other night. I was home watching some TV, just pouring myself. And next thing you know, I'm like, boy, I've had a couple of glasses of this and it is uh it's it's really good stuff i mean uh we'll get into the dog stuff a little bit later but give everybody a little background on the brand itself and then we'll get into how the whiskey uh tastes yeah i think the best place for us to start with peers and i is our friendship you know because the, the whole point of uh, whiskey 
as a Scotsman speaking to you, it's all about friendship. And uh, Piers and I first got to know each other 20 years ago when I met him in London. I was a showbiz columnist for the biggest newspaper in the world at the time, which normally sends chills down people's spines because it was quite a big operation. Um, I don't know if you've seen Succession, but I was kind of in the real life version of that for a long time. Anyway, I used to write, by virtue of that gig, write about famous people visiting London and visiting Britain. And Piers just happened to own the greatest venues in London. He had a great place called Whiskey Mist. He had the Punchbowl Pub with Guy Ritchie, the film director. And we just became good friends and found ourselves hanging around all the time. And Piers was fascinated by whiskey, fascinated by Scotland. And then that gradually led to us um, concocting this plan for Copper Dog Whiskey, which really came to life around about, probably about 2013, 2014, actually, when we first started talking about it, Piers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this for everyone. Let me, uh, Piers, quick one thing. Just turn that microphone over towards you because we want to be able to hear you because uh, I got to tell you, uh, you know, Gordon's got one of the most resonant voices that we've had on this show. So I want to make sure that you're, you're keeping up well, with them over there. Hard yeah. act to follow. Oh, look at that. There it is. That's what I want to hear. Very good. I'm not necessarily sure if you want to hear what I'm going to say, but <laughs> I have to say Smart is being very modest. He's probably the best-known broadcaster and journalist in, in the UK, and he's going to hit the screen come December. Well, maybe. We can't talk about that, Piers, but thanks for putting we got some breaking news here? What's going well, on? Yeah, it looks like he's just oh, delivered okay. an exclusive that I can't talk about. But. All right, okay. <laughs> just, that's called turning the tables on yeah. me for years of what we used to do. Well, Piers, you're, uh, you're no slouch yourself. I mean, I'm looking at your, your bio when we were doing it, and it's just you've done – You've done so much, and I guess the thing that brings us here is back in 2012, you acquired the Krigeliki Hotel, which is in the heart of Speyside. I've actually been there, and it's it's a uh, classic Scottish pub that's right in the heart of where most of the world's single malt scotch comes from. So what went into that? Like You just went there and visited, so I'm going to buy this place? No, uh, so... As Gordon said, I my background, I'm a Londoner, seventh generation, and I did nightclubs all my life and bars, purely and simply because I'm unemployable. And I could never get into bars or clubs when I was younger, so I thought the only way to do that is to actually try and buy one, because then girls might talk to me and I can drink. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> cut a long story short, um, my dad was evacuated during the bombing in the Second World War from London, and he was sent up with his three brothers to Scotland. And before he popped off, my wife said, I think she was a bit irritated by me, but she said, go and take your dad back up there. You know, it'd be romantic for you. And I did. And as, as you said, when I walked into this this pub, it was the worst hotel experience I've ever had in my life. But I just smelt like this warm ghost. I thought, you know, it's really difficult trying to do clubs. As I, you know, get older, the the, the age stays the same. But I thought, this is magical. And as you said, 70% of scotch comes from Speyside. So it's the equivalent of the Champagne region. And the Craig Ellicke dates back to 1703. So it's the oldest whiskey hotel in the world. Condé Nast Traveller described it as that. So I mortgaged absolutely everything and sold my wife, did everything to buy this place. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't looked back. And then it's thanks to Gordon. And he'll tell you brilliantly what this is, which... We saw this as a, a POS somewhere. And so when we say um, this, uh, Pierce is holding up a little uh, metallic tube that uh, I don't want to, well, I don't want to get, I'll let you tell us, Gordon, what that is. Yeah, sure. I, I realize a lot of people will be just listening to this as audio. So I've got a copper dipper in front of me, which is actually the copper dog. And it, it was made from offcuts of copper that you'd find around the cooperage or the distillery. You know, so my forefathers would have taken a little bit of that, soldered a penny on the bottom to make it a, a watertight vessel. Then they'd pop a cork in the top 
attach it to a chain, which they then attach to their belt and keep hidden down their trousers. So when the boss wasn't looking, they would take the uh, the copper dog, the dipper, out of their trousers, dip it into the cask, steal some whiskey, and then promptly hide it back down the trouser leg. So when they got home in the evening, they had a little tax against the uh, the distillery owners. And it became, you know, everybody had one. Anybody who worked in, in uh, Speyside would have a, a dipper hidden in their trousers, so they would have their own little um, takings for when they got home. What made you choose that name? It's a, it's a fantastic story, but I mean, was, yeah, there, well, was there one moment when you said, well, this is what we should call the brand? Well, I should say, you know, when Piers went back with his father, Piers phoned me and said, I'm going to buy this hotel. And I said, God, don't do that. <laughs> it's, it's going to need a lot of love. And so my, my parents, actually, who have nothing to do with the hospitality industry, they went up and uh, did like a secret shopper, we call it, in the UK, where he kind of wrote, my dad, my mum and dad wrote this review of the hotel. And to say it wouldn't go on TripAdvisor very well would be an understatement. You know, it was a, it was a rough review. And uh, Piers, anyway, against my best judgment, bought the hotel. And then all my friends from where I grew up in Scotland renovated the hotel. And I remember Piers phoning me and saying, are you familiar with the Dipper? Do you know about the Copper Dog? Because I think you'd actually seen one on display in uh, yeah. in London. And the, the pub, and this is the thing for us, is it's, there's a great democracy around the British pub and the Scottish pub where you'll find Bill Walker, who owns Walker Shortbread, sitting at the bar beside somebody who sweeps up in the local distillery or one of the cleaners. You know, the, it doesn't matter about your status or your, your bank balance. Everybody's welcome. And that was the, the home of Copper Dog, the home of the pub uh, downstairs where you've been in the Craig Ellicke Hotel. And then you buy the hotel. Who had the idea to, to do the scotch? So <clears throat> Gordon and I have been chatting about, for me, I love America and I love American pop culture. You know, I grew up and there's a, a big link between Britain and America. And the common misconception about Britain that everything's stiff and last night the proms, but Britain's got like this steep, huge thing of of testing boundaries from the Stones, the Beatles, you know, Stormzy now. And I just thought when I see what Bourbon does and it's popularized, and I think that Scotch for us was it's too restrictive and it's all about rules and regulations, whereas bourbon is all about freedom. And we thought it'd be great to have a whiskey that you can finally pronounce um, (laughs) and actually have that spirit of British rascalness in it. And as for the specific moment, Dan, you know, there was a number of times where we found ourselves in lock-ins in London with incredible characters sitting around the table, you know, Guy Ritchie's or a David Beckham or one of these guys. And we'd be talking about whiskey. I remember Piers putting three whiskeys down in front of me and said, right, can you tell me what these are and what, what do you like about them? And it's funny, you know, these things don't just happen overnight. It was uh, meeting all the wrong people in the right places at the right time in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love what you brought up, Pierce, about the, I would say that nowhere else in the world were our brand names butchered more than Scotland, when, than the Scotch brands. So a question for you. If somebody mispronounces a, a name that you know is wrong, how do you, how do you deal with that? Do you say, oh, no. So I'll give you an example. A lot of people say uh, Oban for Oban, right? <laughs> yeah. So we, I know it's Oban. You know it's Oban. Kregelicky, I'm sure, gets absolutely butchered. What do you do? Do you say, oh, no, no, it's Oban? Or do you go, oh, yeah, I love Oban too? I pass it over to Smarty because I still can't speak with the Scottish accent. <laughs> Can't do so it. Only, and it only took me eight years to say Kregelicky correctly. <laughs> you, must yeah. have heard, you must have heard – Lots of uh, mangling of that word, yeah. I'm yeah, sure. Right? I have because over 50, over 50% of, of guests coming to the hotel are from America. So um, they have very different ways of saying Craig Ellicky. But I'm with them when it starts talking because we've got a bar there with a thousand whiskeys and uh, they've all got really difficult names to pronounce. 
So Gordon's the one to correct everyone. Here's the thing. I get it, I get it wrong as well, Dan. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you this. I did tease it earlier, just so you know. My dog's name is Buna, which is short for Buna Haben. Buna Haben. Yeah. Which is over on Isla. I had just gotten back from a trip when we adopted her 10 plus years ago and yeah. uh, couldn't come up with a name. I was drinking a 25-year-old and I was joking around saying, oh, Buna, 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 I love it. And my girlfriend at the time said, how about Buna? And that became the dog's name. I get yeah. a next dog, it might have to be Copper Dog. Just Copper. Yes. Very easy. <laughs> Call it right? Copper. <laughs> and, and, You're and, getting yourself a job as an ambassador here. Dan. That's be right. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I think it's I, it's so cool what you guys are doing. In fact, uh, earlier, I spoke to a good friend of mine named Justin Silver, who used to have a show on CBS called Dogs in the City, and he does a charity event called Funny for Fido, which I'm going to connect you with them eventually. But And he's big into the dog world, and I was just telling him, I said, man, I'm, I'm excited to speak to these guys because I think what you're doing is great. Like, you're, and you're putting your money where your mouth is with with take because there's a lot of animals out there, a lot of dogs out there that need homes, and I think it's lovely what you guys are doing. It's so nice for you to say that, Dan, because the the cocker spaniel you see in the front of the label as my that was my cocker spaniel Fletcher, who's sadly no longer with us. He died a couple of years ago just before lockdown. And I think I was more sad about that than anything I've ever been sad about in my life. You know, the acute grief of lo- losing a pet was absolutely brutal. But you're right. You know, it means everything to us to put some money back. And we were out last night in New York with uh, Second Chance Rescue, who are an, an incredible charity over here. And we were in LA back in April with the LaBelle Foundation, and these guys' selfless acts of generosity and kindness and benevolence towards animals is mind-blowing you know the girls who came to see us last night after they finished drinking were going back they had a, a, a i think it was a dog and a cat they had to go and help and 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 take to a vet and you know it makes me feel incredibly superficial and shallow and not kind enough we need to do more peers you know we need to put a better shift in but it's our way of showing a little bit of gratitude for all the, the help they've given us and other things yeah and the link actually if you think about it because Dogs are very common. Spaniels are, re- you know, the most common dog up in up in Speyside because they're great um, because they've got soft jaws, you know, for the fish. And when people obviously go out, gun dogs, yeah. gun dogs. You know, it's it was coincidental that Gordon's dog was was a spaniel. But I think like any when you start doing branding and marketing, all great brands that I can think of have got some link with an animal, be it Ralph Lauren or Hermes, etc. And so. There's a, a link and there's a, an authenticity about the Spaniel and Speyside. And I tell you, Dan, I don't know if you're aware of it, but it was Hugo Guinness, the artist who drew the dog on the front. And, you know, if you buy a Hugo Guinness print, Piers, what are you talking, $400 or something? Yeah. So if you buy a bottle of copper dog for, I don't know, whatever it is, $30 odd in, in the US. It's below $35, yeah. right? Well, there yeah. you go. You're getting a piece of artwork from Hugo Guinness that's probably yeah. worth about. So we don't know how. we've Some voodoo has taken place where we've been robbed somehow because <laughs> it's got a value to it. And look, anybody who listens to this show, ultimately they want to get to the nuts and bolts and go, what are we talking about here? And I just say, you know, we're talking about a whiskey in the $35 range. It's a blend of uh, eight single malts that uh, honestly... There are times when we're doing these things where I, I get worried and I go, oh, boy, I hope I'm going to like this thing because, uh, you know, and man, just in just a and when I say easy drinking, I don't mean that in a in a negative way. I mean, there's complexity to it, but it, it's not a whiskey that's going to be aggressive. So I think some, you know. Scotland as well, in addition to having some of the most unpronounceable whiskeys in the world, also has some of the most challenging whiskeys, and some of that's in a good way. If you want to drink a giant peat bomb from Isla, I enjoy that, but that's not for everybody. And I think what's great about with the Copper Dog for me is 
I think it's a whiskey that's just really open to everybody. I think, you know, whether you're new to whiskey or you've been drinking it for years, you're going to find something to love about this whiskey. So let's talk a little bit about who's making it and how they're doing it. That's a really good question because you think about it going back to the pub because, you know, like everything's got a great story. But if you take it back, so the origins are the Craig Ellicke Hotel, the pub is you know, right opposite is Macallan. You've got the greatest whiskey houses in Scotland within a 20-mile radius, 80% of them. So you can't have a house drink, which isn't good, because these guys coming in after work will just go and spit it on the floor. Yeah, so we did about 72 tastings to get it right. Um, we actually could have done it in six, but we kept enjoying the uh, <laughs> 66. Um, but then what was really interesting when we launched it originally in the States. Um, the guy, the master blender, who's brilliant, Stuart Morrison, he's a nuclear physicist. I, well, I can't say the word, sorry, especially after about three copper dogs. But um, he then, we changed it, tweaked it to soften it for the American palate so it's sweeter. So it is easy. And as opposed to smashing into a single malt, which is expensive, you could have this every night as a sipping drink. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I, there was a recipe on the site I bring this up. You might have to sack the entire site staff. There's a recipe with an apple. So I go in and I look at this recipe and uh, you know what? I'm going to bring it up right now. And I'm going to tell you uh, my issue with it. The apple dog. So I'm looking at the apple dog recipe on the site. And here's what it says. Preparation. An ounce and a half of copper dog whiskey. First off, I have a problem there because I'm always two ounces. I feel like an ounce and a half, just not enough to get me going. Now, the next thing it says is, one fresh Granny Smith apple. Then it says top with apple wedge, build over ice. So what I'm wondering is, am I supposed to be throwing the whole apple into the glass? What are we, what are we doing here? Juice it. Come on, you're from LA. You know what to do with fruit. When was the last time you ate a whole piece of fruit? I'm a simple man. God. I need to be. Everything needs to be explained to me. So you're saying I have to juice the apple. The you juice of the one. Apple. Okay. I thought yeah, I just the juice threw of the, one Granny Smith apple. Well, that's why Honestly, people were looking funny at me when I had the drink because I had a yeah. whole apple in my glass, and they're like, "What's <laughs> what's up with this guy?" And if we did a tasting session, and and you know, you, on the nose there are some citrus notes, so the Granny Smith marries with it beautifully, and it's it's a great summer drink. You know, we're heading now into fall, as you call it, and then into the winter, so the the cocktails might be changing slightly, but it's a great summer drink, a very refreshing drink. Yeah, no, it's it's it. Definitely, you're going to get that fruit on there. I thought there was a little bit, of, a little bit of spice too on the end. There's some vanilla, but you're gonna, you're, you're always going to get that from the wood. It's just, mm-hmm. it's really balanced, and it's, it's just a, a really nice sipping whiskey. And yeah. especially now, and it kind of goes to something else I want to talk to you about is like people are watching what they spend, and you know, look, I'm all for going out and dropping a couple hundred bucks on some super fancy expression that's been aged, but what people do in their everyday life is they try to find something that they can just have at home to sip on. And this is a brand that I would highly recommend for something like that. Yeah. Like our rival, which I won't mention, uh, has, has got two single malts in it. We've got eight and I can't believe the value, you know, it punches way above his weight for what's in it. And Stuart Morrison, as Piers alluded to as a nuclear physicist, he is our, an incredible talent. And if you came to visit the Johnny Walker Visitor Center, which I'm sure you've been to, which I christened Malt Disney, um, you, you'll meet Stuart Morrison because he is the man who will be presented to you as the, the ultimate authority in all blends and all whiskeys. And he's a great human being. And we, well, we want to watch when we got Stuart Morrison to produce this liquid. So the pedigree is there for sure. Yeah. See, I did that, tied that in dog pedigree. 
See what I'm doing? You're good at this. Yeah, very yeah, clever yeah. Very here. Good. Don't don't say I'm not clever on this show. Well, okay. Now this, interestingly enough, this morning before, obviously before talking to you guys, I was just reading the news, and I'm reading a, several pieces about what is going on with the pound right now in the UK. And I, I'm curious when you start a brand and you've got a brand, fairly young brand, do you get nervous? Like, Oh shit. Like what's happening right now. And what that's going to mean to you in terms of being able to still produce a whiskey that's affordable and yet deal with the reality. I mean, we're dealing with it over here in the States as well, but maybe not as in dramatic a fashion of, so everybody understands in case you don't listen to the news, uh, the, the pound took a little tumble, right? The, the British government came out with their new financial plan. Does that scare you? Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. Of course it is. But like everybody, you just have to get your head down and work as hard as you can and, and, and get through it. I mean, Piers and I, you know, I come from Edinburgh originally, Piers is from London. We have very different political views. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough time, you know, to give give your listeners an idea and your viewers an idea of how tough it is. You know, my electricity bill has more than doubled in the last six months, right? Um, the cost of keeping the lights on in distilleries, the cost of everything around it is incredibly expensive. But it's very, we've got to be quite careful about complaining about it because everybody's facing this challenge yeah. in the UK at the moment, not just in the UK, but, you know, the cost of petrol, for instance, was up to nearly uh, $2 for a litre in the UK. So, I mean, I don't match that as a gallon. My metric conversion is dreadful, but I think your your listeners would fall off their chair if they realised that. So, yeah, it's a massive challenge, but I think that there are other things for us that are, are quite helpful. You know, Piers was saying that um, that the peers, the distribution is a little bit easier in America at the moment, isn't it? I think you said, because the, the, the cost of um, shipping has gone down a little bit. Yeah. So that's helpful. So if you're an export, uh, as this is, and um, you know, the pound falling makes it cheaper for foreign markets to buy it, especially America. But for us, it, the, the focus is, is the States um, because there's such a, a romantic thing back to Europe, Britain, Ireland. And so... We want to create something that's aspirational but accessible. And, you know, when you talked about earlier, again, it always links back to the pub. Um, you know, I had clubs where you had to spend £10,000 to sit at a table. Now that's vulgar. Um, and you're judged on how much money you've got, which is wrong. Um, but the idea, certainly in Britain, I think it's possibly having, you know, coming a lot more to the States. So people are drinking at home now. Yeah. You know, clubs, 70% of nightclubs have shut. So the consumer uh, way of meeting friends and, and having fun is to get a great bottle and sit around, you know, barbecue or at home over dinner. Yeah, it's actually, Dan, that's a good thing that Piers has touched on there. A friend of ours has a, a venue in London, a music venue, and he had three sold out nights recently putting on a great band. And normally he would make something in the region of £12,000 a night on the bar and alcohol alone. He made £600 wow. each night. Right, so that shows you people are buying a ticket to see a gig, but they can't afford to pay to over the bar. Yeah, so that you know, culturally, big changes happening. Well, on a, a on a brighter note, though, I guess Piers mentioned the, the 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 pub, and certainly the pub, the Copper Dog, and the Krigeliki Hotel. What I always have found so wonderful about when I visit that region, and, and I'm sure it happens every night in Krigeliki is. You're sitting next to somebody and then they just, you go, oh, uh, yeah, what do you do? Oh, a guy bought me, I remember a couple of years ago I was there and I was, where, what pub was I in? Right near you. I made him been there. The mash and, and, and the guy said, um, oh, you want to try some Glenn Farkless? I says, yeah. You like that one? He goes, yeah, I own it. 
<laughs> and that's what's brilliant about that region is everybody's in the everybody's yeah. in these pubs together, and you could be drinking with the you you know the master blender from the Macallan, yeah. or you could be drinking with somebody from the Glenlivet, and everybody kind of comes together, and it's just such a wonderful. Yeah. And what I also think is brilliant is everybody seems to really support them one another over there. You know, obviously yeah. there's competition, but but friendly competition, right? Oh, too right. It's, it's an incredible place. I went on a stag do with some ex-Special Forces guys from, from the UK. And, you know, you've got Special Forces operatives at the bar. And we met a guy who had invented some deionized ice, which he'd sold to one of the, the big whiskey companies because it meant that your ice cube and your glass would last an extra hour. So, you, you know, you meet these incredible characters. And Piers is one of the best people in the world for this. You know, he's an incredible curator of characters. And that's what I love best about the Craig Ellicky. And Dan, I'm, I wish I'd been there when you'd come up because you probably wouldn't be back in LA had you met us on a night out there. <laughs> no Better kidding. get your passport sorted, my friend. It's it's one of my favorite play, honestly, top three in the world. I've always I always tell people they must have a minister of charm. Uh, in Scotland that just goes around and says, we need more blackface sheep here. We need it because it, it's just a, it's an absolutely brilliant place. And uh, anybody out there that's thinking of going, you are in the heart of scotch making it, it, where the Kregeliki Hotel is. And now that you, you can say, you know me, probably get you nothing. And I love you for that. It's strange you said that because you fall in love with it. And a great friend of mine who is now the chairman of the Standard Hotel Group, and but he rolled out all the W's in in the states, and I worked with him about twenty years ago. Why he didn't sack me after a week, I don't know. But we became great pals. But anyway, he decided to have his stag do at the Craig Ellicky. Now he could have gone anywhere in the world, and he had some of the biggest hitters from LA and New York, and they flew in private jet, and they could have gone down to Mexico, they could have gone down to South of France or wherever. But they chose to have it at the Craig Ellicky five days. And there is a unique charm about that place. And as Gordon said, I think one of the lovely things is the modesty the Scots have. You know, we looked there the other week and there was sort of, we had 84 people in the pub, which isn't packed, but it was just a lovely environment. And there were three billionaires. But at the same time, there's the road sweeper in there. And those guys are, you know, the Glenn Farkas chat and, and William Grant's family businesses and Jim Walker. You know, there's just, there's no flashness. There's no vulgarity. It's just an effortless charm. And, and it makes any, everyone just feel welcome. And that's the point. It's like going to your mate's house in, in the country and you just go, love this. Whether it's spirits, wine, it's not a zero-sum thing where you put it down in front of me and go, okay, what do you think of this scotch versus... It's so experiential. Yeah. To drink scotch in a place like the Copper Dog, in the Kregeliki Hotel, you feel it. The history just seeps into your bones when you're there, and it just makes everything taste better. And you mentioned you've got, what, a thousand different types of whiskey in there? i got to figure the Copper Dog's probably got some prime bar placement, though. You're right, right, right there in the front. But, but it, really, it really is, and I, I can't recommend it enough to people to go... Visit the distilleries and and visit the visit these wonderful places and it just tastes better when you're there. Yeah, but Dan, you're right. But one of the interesting things is, and you know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are, are whiskey lovers and they'll be obsessed by going to a distillery. But at the end of the day, once you've been to about five, they're pretty much of a muchness. But then what happens is people 
visited, I was up there recently and they've gone to McAllen, they've gone to Glenfarcus, they've gone to Cardew, but they can't wait to get back to the pub mm-hmm. because that's where, if that's where stories come from, you know, my background in, in the on trade and, and bar is, it's great for people to meet each other. You got to meet him. You got to meet her. Oh, smart is looking through TV. He's doing something, you know, you might fancy someone, you've got to go over there and talk to them. You know, it's a very simple DNA. And if you just make it real, you know, distilleries are like factories after a while. They're incredible machines, but there's one near us. It's, it's, um, does three and a half million liters a year turnout. They've only got 16 people working there. So, so it's, it's all just sort of like automatic machine. Whereas the pub, we've got something like in the hotel over 52 people and they're all, we try to employ local people to give them a chance. And, you know, they're ambassadors for the area, which is a magical area. 10 Downing Street um, recognized British luxury goods. And there are 50 of them, Rolls-Royce, Aston Martin, etc. But five out of 50 come from Speyside. And it's, that's 10%. And it's a population of only 82,000. That's the Walpole Institute, right? Yeah. 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 It's incredible. As you said, you just, there's magic in, in, in that area. The French would be boasting about Champagne and Sancerre, and, but the Scots just modest. And it's an interesting thing you mentioned, because culturally as well, I grew up in Scotland, right? And you take it for granted when you, that's what you know every single day. And I ran away to London, chased my wife down there when I was about 20. And suddenly, you know, after living in London in the big smoke for all those years and traveling a lot with my job and, and being lucky enough to visit all these places around the world, this mad homing beacon kicks in and the Scottish diaspora find themselves returning home because you suddenly realize how lucky you were. We, we traveled for five weeks this year around America on tour with Copper Dog and we were fortunate enough to visit some incredible places, including Austin and Texas. And when you arrive at the, the baggage carousel, it says, do not move here. <laughs> you know, We've got enough people, fastest growing city in the world from a million to two million in 10 years. And I thought, God, is that how I feel about Scotland? We want to kind of keep this to ourselves, but actually it's the opposite. You know, it's this incredibly welcoming place. You know, we've got a reputation for being frugal and tight and shrewd, but the, I don't know if you agree with me, Piers, but they're probably the most generous, hospitable, caring, friendly, welcoming ah. characters you could meet. Yeah. I say that with a massive slice of Scottish <laughs> bias. Anywhere you go, I look, Edinburgh, for me, top five city in the world in terms of that's just it, that's culturally. Edinburgh, Dan. That's Edinburgh, mate. Not, not when you're from Philly, it's Edinburgh. Uh, <laughs> and then, and, then uh, and Glasgow, which reminds me a lot of Philadelphia. It's got a very similar vibe in that I think yeah. I almost got the shit kicked out of me once in Glasgow. <laughs> uh, but it's, it, it, and then you go up north, and if you go over to, if you go over to Isla, and you go down, you know, I, I actually got uh, shipwrecked, but many, many years ago when I, the beginning of my career doing this, I went on a thing. It was called the Classic Malts Cruise. And it was about tall ships. This is 20 some years ago. I was a kid. It's like, you know, look at me. Look how young I am. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we got, uh, there was a storm. We were on a 105 foot brigantine and we were out in, in the ocean and we, there was a storm. And we had, to, we had to dock at a place called Canna, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know how much population there is now but back then canna was like a sheep herding island basically mm-hmm. so it was like population 15 men and a thousand very skittish sheep if you get what i'm saying <laughs> looking over their shoulders uh but it was a funny place because we were there and we got stuck there for like a whole day and they and they said that um you know the the post would come out once every couple of weeks 
That was it. Yeah. Nobody was going there. And places like that still exist in Scotland, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah. How terrifying for the sheep. That's what <laughs> I mean. there with those 15 guys. I was like, there's no women on this island. Nope. Just <laughs> sheep and men. Doing what Please to know they all took your yep. surname down after you left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, and then you look at a place like Tobermory where yeah. I, I remember sailing by there and you're just like, this is yeah. incredibly beautiful. Yeah. I should yeah. be, I should get a job for the Scottish uh, tourism you board. Should. Do, you think? Yeah. Do you have Scottish blood? I'm so, No, you, uh, Irish and Italian. Where you? Don, 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 Don. And then my mother's last name is Fabrizio. So I'm kind of right down the middle. Where I grew up in Philly, most of my neighborhood was Italian and Irish. Like, you know. And that's amazing. A Philadelphian, Italian, Irish. Are you sure you're not a boxer? No. You've got the perfect pedigree. I just did an interview with a UFC guy, uh, Dustin Poirier. And uh, we were talking, I was talking about how when I was a kid, I used to go to boxing camp and I I could handle myself. And I said, so I think I could probably last at least five seconds with you, yeah. Dustin. Five. He said, I don't know about that. But uh, yeah. anyway, well, look, I guys, it's been a real uh, pleasure talking to you. And and I and again, with, is there beyond just buying the product? Is there a way for people to engage and if they want to help out with the dogs? Is it just just yeah. buy the whiskey? Well, I'd recommend following us on social media. We've got a, an Instagram handle, Copper Dog Whiskey, which is kind of the European and the UK one, and Copper Dog US. But if you give us or give me a follow, I'm kind of doing, we've been, what, five weeks within America, another two weeks now, and I'm just Gordon Smart on Instagram, and you'll find all the Copper Dog content on there. And there's some great stuff. You know, I, I interviewed Dave Grohl a few years ago um, before he went on stage in Manchester at the Etihad in front of 65,000 people. And he told me that he warms his voice up by drinking a whiskey. And I said, well, it's funny you mention that, Dave, because uh, I've got a bottle here and a gave him some copper dog and there's a great clip of him saying if you want to have a good show just make sure you drink copper dog wow. um, so we've got and you know i don't know if you've seen the documentary defiant ones with jimmy iovine yeah and i remember him talking yeah. about uh, years ago when i met him he was talking about putting on uh, the headphones the beats headphones and i thought we should do that with copper dog everybody gets a bottle a signed bottle so when i was doing my radio show if you were a guest i would sign a bottle and invite everyone to the hotel appears as great expense of course not my own and um, uh, and we had some amazing people over the years who got a bottle and it, it, it was always great because it's a genuine we talk about provenance and authenticity and you know everything about this is what our friendship stands for what the hotel stands for what scotland stands for and yeah, if you want to check us out and get involved, you know, drop us a note and, and we'll tell you more about it and invite you along for a drink somewhere, London, New York, wherever we happen to be, we're well up for a drink. Fantastic. And if people want to put a photo of them with their dog on it, yes, please do. Because I just think that link and all your listeners just plug in, say that they've heard Dan, by the way, you're very handsome and Gordon's got a beautiful voice. <laughs> I've enjoyed today. So Maybe I should get him on much. the show. I'd be my co-host. Yeah, you from should. Yeah, yeah. Love that, Dan. <laughs> Dan, shall I propose a toast before you leave? Yeah, well, I, I don't have any whiskey with me, but I'll drink the wool. <laughs> Water. I'll drink. I will drink one for you, Dad. Only because right, well, it's still early out here in California, and I have things to do today. But uh, has yeah. never stopped you before, Dan. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm losing people. Where they're like, "What is this? The hero has fallen." Uh, but I'll raise a toast. In uh, okay. anyway, here we go. Cheers. So here we go, right? So this is the motto of Leith, right? From the north of Edinburgh. And it feels appropriate after everything we've been through for the last few years. So with our darkest days behind, our ship of hope will steer. And if in doubt, just keep in mind, our motto, persevere. Cheers. Cheers. Gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure. I look forward to uh, someday doing this in person with you. Not this, but the drinking part of it over there. I will be getting to Scotland Sooner rather than later, uh, if, if I have do. anything to say about it. And uh, 
Copper Dog, I encourage everybody to go to the website, check it out, get yourself a bottle or two or three, you know, depending. Uh, and uh, you're helping out not only not only getting great whiskey, but you're 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 supporting a brand that's doing a lot of great work and necessary work uh, yeah. for the uh, for our ferry friends. So, guys, I really appreciate the, the time and uh, and I appreciate the whiskey. Cheers, Dan. No, well, thank you, Dan. Thank can, you very much. Before you go, can we tell you one very funny story or something yes, that happened to us on tour? Yes. Right. So we were quite excited by the tour we were doing. And we got to Austin, Texas, and the guy said to us, "You know, it's a bit of interest in you boys being here. It's quite exciting. So when you turn up today at Total Wine to do your presentation with Copper Dog, there's going to be some people there to see you. So we turn up. There's about two thousand folk at Total Wine in Austin, and we're thinking, yes, we've made it. We're celebrities. <laughs> we're famous. It's happening in America. And we're walking up to the front door, and I noticed this fairly conspicuous chrome RV, this huge vehicle looked quite impressive. And then I noticed on the side, a huge picture of Scotty Pippen from the Chicago Bulls. And then we realized there's two and a half thousand people there to see Scotty Pippen, but we need to give him a shout out because he sent us some whiskey. We sent him some whiskey. And I think he sent us quite a few customers that day. So um, he's become an unofficial ambassador of Copper Dog Whiskey. Well, he's got his, own, he's been on the show. I've had Scotty digits. on, Scotty's yes. been on the show. He's got yeah. his, it's Digits. Um, digits, the bourbon. Which yeah. has his giant hands on the, on the yeah. uh, on the cover very good very good stuff as well i think let me see if memory serves he's making that up in uh in san francisco with omer island with the guy dave finney who yeah, did uh, the prisoner yeah, why yeah that's who he's making he's that whiskey with and uh wow that's uh i thought you were gonna say like uh, brian cranston or something like that <laughs> where, you, where you guys show up but one day you'll be pulling in the, those kind of those kind Maybe of crowds, I'm done. sure. So, if you work as an ambassador for us, yeah, That's we'll right. have, to have a conversation about that, won't we, Pierce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Well, cheers, guys. No, cheers. Dan, you're a superstar. Thank you very much. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. It's over, Johnny. It's over. Nothing is over. Now I know it's it's upsetting, seem to me, but it really is over. It has to be. I got stuff to do. I want to thank Neil Bodenheimer and Emily Timberlake for being on the show earlier. Pick up a copy of their book, Cure New Orleans Drinks and How to Mix Them. Available now for pre-order on Amazon and everywhere you get books. Also want to thank Piers Adam and Gordon Smart, the co-founders of Copper Dog Whiskey. Get the Copper Dog. It's, it's great, great scotch. And also, when you spend money on that brand, you know that some of that money is going to go to help dogs the world over and that is something we can all get behind right i don't get behind the dog we could but it's called doggy style oh i'm funny of course i want to thank you for being here as always i know you got a lot of options out there in the podcast sphere you're choosing to spend time with me and i am grateful for that follow me on instagram at the imbiber i got some videos up from this episode you'll see it there and again, just a reminder, the Whiskey X this Friday, October 7th, Los Angeles. I will be there emceeing for tickets and information. Go to thewhiskeyx.com. Till next time, friends, peace. <laughs>